pondering things uh, in recent weeks, I knew that I, it would come to where I had two sermons left to offer. What do I do? Do I just um, choose an easy text just to kind of coast on through? Nah, y'all know me better than that. So here we are, Ephesians chapter 6. Not the most comforting text in the Bible, but it's an important one. And I pray that when we're through with this look at Ephesians 6, when you leave those doors, you'll have a new way of looking at your role in the world. I read an article this week in which an activist said this. He said, as a pacifist, I'm fighting against military spending. And that struck me as kind of, kind of funny. I mean, he's a pacifist, but he's fighting? Why is a pacifist fighting against anything? He's supposed to be a pacifist. But is it just me? I don't know if, if, it's, if it's just me, but it seems like everybody is battling or fighting against something or for something these days. Some people are fighting against certain politicians. Some people are battling against a rival team. I was in Louisville and Kentucky in baseball this weekend. Some people are battling against poverty or racism or abusive governments or terrorists. Some people are battling against being overweight or getting old. My problem is that I still think I'm in my 20s. Cheryl reminds me, honey, I love you, but you're not all the time. Yet in our scripture passage today from Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is telling us those who are followers of Jesus, we may be fighting against the wrong enemy. See, as Christians, according to Ephesians 6, Our battle is not against other people. Our battle in life is not against a political party. Our battle is not against mindsets or worldviews. These are battles that people who don't know Jesus engage in. Our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil that exist in the unseen world. Paul says that we fight against the members and leaders of an organized spirit world. Now, whether we want to admit it or not, the spirit world exists, not in a Star Wars way with the force. Not in the magic from Harry Potter. But the world we live in is much more than our five senses can understand. See, our soul, the part of us that makes us who we are, is not just a mass of biological processes at work. Our soul is part of that spirit world that Paul is writing about. That's the part of us that Jesus died to save. 
Yet many of us get so busy in life that we never think about this part of who we are. We've become active in politics and social welfare causes, saving the puppies and the whales, all kinds of wonderful pursuits. And I'm so thankful that Christians are involved in these efforts. Yet God created us for much more than that. When we take on the battles of the physical world, we're going to lose because as Christians, our battle, as Paul says, is not against the world. But when we engage in the battles of the spiritual world, we can win because we've given our life to Jesus. He's risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now when Sean read this passage a few moments ago, you may have noticed a recurring word. Remember, when when you're reading a passage of Scripture and one word or phrase keeps repeating, pay attention. That's there for a reason. Four times in this passage of Scripture, we're told to stand or stand firm. Plant your feet and don't move. Stand firm. Not charging against the devil. Not running away from him either. But stand firm. Hold the line. See, we're not supposed to run away from temptation. And we obviously shouldn't run after temptation because that's giving into it. We're, We're told to stand firm against it. The world tells us to fall in line or they're going to make, the world, make life miserable for us. Yet we must stand our ground, y'all. It's up to us to hold the line of the truth of God. You may have heard of a man named J.W. Chamberlain. He was a college professor from Maine who became a lieutenant colonel in the Union Army during the Civil War. On July 2nd, 1863, this former English professor found himself on a hillside outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania with 300 of his men. His superior placed Chamberlain and his men at the end of a long line of troops on a hill known as Little Round Top. And Chamberlain was given one order on that day. Hold the line. Don't move. Don't let the Confederate forces pass you. Because if his men allowed the Confederate troops to overtake them, the entire Union line could be lost. The battle could have been lost. The army could have been lost. The war and maybe even the United States itself. So the pressure was on this colonel. So rallying his men who were severely outnumbered, they held the line that day. They repelled the invading rebel troops. It's an amazing story. In the world today, 
we are faced every day, every day, with a battle for our very soul. It's a battle against false understandings of who God is. It's a battle against what the Bible says is right and wrong. And it's the pressure for us as Christians to model the world instead of modeling Jesus Christ. And God says to us, hold the line. Stand your ground. But many of us don't have the fight in us to stand for God's truth. We listen instead to the voices in the world that say, you know, we'll be the ones to tell you Christians what's right and wrong. We listen when the culture around us says, you need to have this or that to make you happy, to be fulfilled, to be comforted. The more stuff you have, the more comforted you'll be. Why do we listen to those voices? And we're suckers when people on TV say, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe something. And good, well-intentioned Christians give in to these spiritual temptations and they're defeated spiritually because they attempt to enter the spiritual battle without their full armor. And in our scripture passage, Paul lists for us all the different pieces of what this armor of God is and what these different pieces do for us. So let's take a look. He starts off with this belt of truth. Now, this isn't like Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. And if you haven't seen Wonder Woman, even if you're a man, you'll stand up and cheer. I mean, it was great. What truth is Paul referring to? The belt of truth. Well, it's not the belt of the truth. That would have been the true message of the gospel. That's not what Paul's talking about in this belt of truth. This meaning of truth has to do with the sincerity of the believer. If you don't believe the gospel message, if you don't accept it for yourself, and if you're not living it faithfully, you're not going to be ready for spiritual battle. You have to believe this for yourself. That's that belt of truth. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. This has to do with our personal holiness. To be ready for spiritual battle is to be living a holy life. A life patterned by God and not by the world. Paul talks about shoes of peace. Now, these aren't like hippie sandals or something. He's not referring to shoes that bring peace to the world. Paul's talking about shoes that lead us into a life of peace because we're standing in the good news of Jesus. When you're standing in these shoes of peace, you're not in constant anxiety because you're standing in peace because you've experienced Jesus as your Savior and Lord. 
So why do you have to worry about anything? Then he talks about this shield of faith. And for a history buff, this is really where I get intrigued here. Because the word Paul uses for shield is the same word that the heavy Roman infantry used when they talked about one of those very large four-foot by two-foot shields that they carried. Covers your entire body. Not just a little shield but one that covers all of you. It's our shield of faith. See, our faith and our trust in God is what protects us like a shield from the flaming arrows of the evil one who shoots them at us. See, these arrows that come at us can be temptation. These arrows can be to trying to pollute our lives with ideas that can draw us away from God. These arrows can wound us, causing us to doubt that God's in control. And when we're hit by one of these flaming arrows, we can get angry because it hurts. So they protect us from being filled with uncontrollable anger and bad attitudes and cynicism, which is the opposite of joy. Finally, Paul talks about the helmet of salvation. See, this helmet protects us from despair. If we know that we've been saved by Jesus, why in the world would we ever despair about anything? Wearing this helmet protects us so we can live with the hope of the promises of God. Without this helmet of salvation, we can give in to negativity hopelessness, even isolation from other people. Jesus came with the good news to save our souls from sin. That lifts our hearts. That gives our lives meaning and hope. So we're protected from the spiritual enemies with our full armor of God. And Cheryl reminded me that my grandma Voigt's always noticed that there's no armor on the back because we don't retreat. We stand firm. We look forward. We don't go back. But you know, when we go to battle, we have to have some type of weapon with us, don't we? In our spiritual fight against evil, it's stationary. We're not moving. It's defensive in nature. But we need a weapon. So what kind of weapon would we have for a spiritual battle? Well, it's not our ability to speak well. We might think that's our weapon, but it's not. It's not our own ability to rationalize or put together arguments. Our weapon is not taking a Bible verse and throwing it at somebody. Because we're not fighting against other people. So what does a spiritual weapon look like? Well, it's a sword. I think every sword should have a cool name. If you've read great literature, seen movies, all the best swords have really amazing names. 
I mean, think about the sword of Gryffindor. Oh, man, what a cool name. Or Glamdring. What a cool name for a sword. Or my favorite one is this. There was a sword in Lord of the Rings called the Flame of the West. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that cool? Well, our spiritual sword has a great name, too. Paul tells us the name of our sword is the Word of God. That's the name of our sword. See, our weapon in our spiritual battle is God's Word. But if we understand the Bible to be just one of many ancient books that are written by people trying to understand God, then our sword's not made of steel but of cardboard. I don't want a sword like that. I want a sword that's going to stand the test of time. So we, if we've got our, our armor on, if we've got our, our weapon, our sword, we're fully armed, how do we engage in battle? Well, like I said, we don't take a verse from our sword and, oh yeah, well here's what God's word says. Take that. Here's another verse. Take that. That's not how we engage in spiritual battle. Paul tells us it's in verse 18. He says, pray. Pray at all times. Pray in every occasion and in all different ways. That's how you engage in spiritual battle. Private prayers, public prayers, prayers where we ask for things, prayers where we give thanks for things, praising prayers. There's walking prayers. You can pray when you walk. Just keep your eyes open. Sitting down prayers, standing up prayers, lying down prayers, singing prayers, speaking prayers, all kinds of prayers. It doesn't matter. To pray at all times is to live a life in which we're in one constant, never-ending conversation with God. Can you imagine a life like that? Where we don't just pray, we are prayer. If we can do that, then the spiritual forces of wickedness can't touch us. See, we're we're not called to attack anyone in these spiritual battles. We're not even called to attack any spirit. We're especially not called, I'll say it a third time, to use our sword to attack other Christians. We're called to stand our ground as Paul says four times in this text, to stand our ground against evil and don't retreat. It takes the full armor and the power of the Holy Spirit to win the spiritual battles in our lives. God has given us a full set of this armor. He's given us a powerful sword called the Word of God. May God give us the commitment 
to follow him faithfully so that when it's time to face temptation and go to battle, we're ready to stand firm. We have the Spirit of God living in us. The very Spirit of God that was in Jesus that is one with God the Father and Jesus himself, that Spirit lives in us. Why do we fear anything? Jesus has won the battle. He's won the war. All authority in heaven and earth belong to him. And his Spirit lives in us. Why do we act every day as if we have no idea that that's the case? So when we leave this sanctuary and we go out into the real world, remember who lives in you. And remember to make your life a living prayer. It'll change the way you treat people. It'll change the way you handle situations. It will change the way you watch the news. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that we can't see because we're the people of God. Let's pray.